And we're back. Alex. We are back. How are you, Kanji? Good, good. Happy August. Oh, it's unbelievable how quickly it's gone. Yeah, yeah. You know that that old saying: the more things change, the more they stay the same. With AI, that's probably not true. But with my relationship to the kids and summer and school, it is, and it all goes so fast, so fast. So it does. Yeah, <laughs> it does. Uh, so today we're going to talk about uh, a couple of things that we had mentioned last time that we chatted about about collaborative platforms. But I also thought it'd be a good idea to talk about like abilities and the limitations because I think it's really important to understand the guardrails or um, the rules of the game uh, before you jump in and start playing with everything. So it, it gives you uh, insight into the capabilities of what you can create and really provides the paints and the canvas to create an incredible work product. Uh, whether that be something that's for your family or something that's for your business or just even something that's for yourself. So today we're going to talk about tokens and what tokens are, uh, question limits, hallucinations, the lack of emotional intelligence and common sense, uh, multitasking, which will then parlay into collaborative platforms, right? The, it's inability, let me, let me correct that, the inability for it to multitask, but what that means for collaborative platforms and how we can start utilizing that uh, with either multiple family members or multiple teammates, like how you and I use it and how we use it for the kids. Uh, the last two things will be the formatting questions and then the bias, the big part of AI and the legislation that possibly is coming out relative to that. How's that sound? Sounds great. It's a lot to squeeze into 15, 20 minutes. So we, let's get going. <laughs> okay. But Maybe it, I'll just but talk points. faster. <laughs> Well, let's talk about uh, tokens. Okay, awesome. Let's talk about tokens. So we're not at an arcade. So tell me what tokens are. Yeah, well, tokens are, are really important. They are kind of the basis of how the generative AI tools like ChatGPT work. And they, the different models and the different, uh, so like ChatGPT has three, uh, 3.5 and four, and even within ChatGPT four, there's two different models. Um, so as you go from three to four, and then there's, so there's ChatGPT for 8K and ChatGPT for 32K. So all kinds of numbers, but it's just kind of different levels with bigger language bases. They can do more and they're, they're just kind of smarter. So between ChatGPT and OpenAI's Claude, um, they all have different token limits. And the token limit is just taking punctuation and words and breaking it down into something that can be read by, by computers. Um, so one word can be, in general, one word is one token. Um, it's not that simple. It, it it takes into consideration punctuation and breaks down words into different parts. So mm. one word can be three tokens, but just as a quick calculation, one token is one word. That kind of gives you a, a general idea. And the tokens are basically what the um, software can do. So what ChatGPT can do with its prompts and with its responses. Um, so with ChatGPT, there's a 4,000 token depending on the model, either 4,000, 8,000, or roughly 32,000 tokens that can be used. The one that we're all uh, most likely using, the, the public ones, uh, ChatGPT3, the free one is 4,000 tokens. And then there's uh, ChatGPT4, the pro version is uh, just over 8,000, it's 8,192 tokens. And that is kind of the limit to what you can ask it to do and it can remembers. 
So uh, a conversation, so if you open up a conversation, the 8,000 tokens or roughly 8,000 words is like kind of the maximum before it starts losing its memory or what's at the top of the conversation. Hmm. When also, you say, real quick, when you say 8,000 words, how, how many paragraphs would that be essentially or a, or a page of text? Okay. That's about 16 pages of like full uh, single space text. Okay, 16 pages. Great. And then when you say that, that it remembers it, what happens after that 16 pages? It'll start. So I think it still remembers parts of the conversation further down the conversation or the chat, um, but it starts to forget things. So if you told it, for example, at the beginning of the chat that your name was Kanji um, after 16 pages of, of text or responses, so that includes the prompt and the response, it'll forget that your name is Kanji. Um, or shortly afterwards, it'll forget. So it'll forget uh, facts and details that are uh, at the top or higher up in the conversation. So you mm -hmm. might have to, re so if you tell it not to use the word delve, which is a word that I don't like, and it's a pretty common AI giveaway. Um, so I always write in, you know, don't, do not use the word delve when you're in your responses. And then it'll go on for, let's say, you know, 4,000, 5,000 tokens, and then it'll forget that. And then one of the responses will say, let's delve into this. Um, so you can tell that it's run through the tokens. Hmm. There's some oh, plugins that you can, you can add that count those for you. So you can see how, how many tokens or words have been used in a, in a conversation, which is helpful. Hmm. That's really good to know, because as people are starting to utilize this, and we've taught them this before, is to limit your conversations or at least the topics within one specific chat but once it starts forgetting now that's something that we need to address right like either you restart that persona or and that topic or i guess that would that's what i would do is there something else that you would suggest doing what's well, not a, so if you restart a conversation you're going to have to go back kind of and, and add in a bunch of details it, it's not going to forget everything at once so as you just, you start noticing it, I would suggest just kind of reminding it, you know, reminding what your name is mm. or reminding it about, you know, key facts so that it continues on. And as you ask, you prompt um, ChatGPT and then it responds, things that might be at the very top of the conversation are going to get kind of reused or referenced again later on. So it's not going to forget everything in the conversation. So if you start over after, let's say, 16 pages of text, you might be doing work that you don't have to. But if you start to see that it's it's forgetting things or, or not doing what it typically has done, that's the reason. It's just it's run out of memory. It's memory, so you just have to remind it. Uh, and another thing that's important with talking about tokens, um, with especially with ChatGPT, is the response or the prompt and the response are limited to four thousand ninety six or four thousand tokens. Four thousand ninety six, I think it is. So if you ask. If you, if you create a prompt that is um, 3,000 tokens, it will only give you an answer that's 1,000. After that, everything is going to be garbage. So the first 1,000 might will be good, and then anything after the response, will, uh, after that 1,000, will be kind of garbage. It's going to make it up completely, and it, it probably won't make a lot of sense. So mm. it's important to, to remember that and keep that into consideration when you're prompting, is that you know your prompt be as specific as possible so that you don't use up all those tokens. Right. And then keeping in mind the expectations of the output that should be showing up, right? So that you can guardrail yourself against. And the, you're, you're jumping ahead a little bit because we are going to talk about hallucinations and its lack of common sense a little bit further down the line, but that's how it's going to show up. 
So let's talk about then the difference between the API and the direct and, and kind of explain what an API is versus like the direct online interface that the general public will be utilizing. Yeah, I'll lead into that just to kind of what, maybe to answer that a little bit more clearly. It, one of the big differences between ChatGPT and Plod, there's a public version of it, a public interface, and um, that has a much higher token limit. It's 75,000 tokens. Mm. And so that's a public facing um, interface where you can chat, you can prompt it and get responses. There is a developer area. And in that developer area, the token limit is 100,000 tokens. So, I mean, it's, you can put it in a whole book in there and, and it's going uh, wow. to accept it. So you, you have a lot more flexibility there. So that's kind of the, one of the big differences between the, the public-facing version of what you use, either in ChatGPT or Claude or, or Bard, and the, the back-end, the developer end, uh, which is where the API keys come in. The API keys are used to interface the language model with the software that you're, uh, you're building, the developer's building or, or trying to um, add AI to. So there's a lot more flexibility on the API side or using an API key so that you can kind of plug into that developer area. So it, there's more flexibility. The guardrails, um, I've done some testing where I've gotten, to do, gotten ChatGPT to respond in really inappropriate ways that you cannot do on the public side. So it's not, what they call jailbreaking it, like kind of forcing it to override everything that it knows. But um, there's definitely, definitely more flexibility um, with getting the, making it answer questions or prompts the way you want it to. Mm -hmm. And then also there's the limit size, the token limit size is uh, much larger. Got it. So going off of word count, we're going to travel down the road and say, what are the, the limits to the questions that you can ask? Because there's the, number of words, right? And that counts both towards uh, the the information that you're requesting and the information that it's outputting. But as far as like specifically the number of questions, is there a limitation there? What do you mean exactly by a limit of questions? So my understanding is that they increase the, uh, uh, the times that you can actually interface with the system from 25. Oh, the prompts. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Yeah, so, so it, the limit on the pro side, uh, the paid side, the GPT-4 Pro was 25 pro prompts within three hours. So after that 25 prompts, you get a message that would tell you that you, know, you if you continued, um, you would be downgraded. Your conversation would downgrade from GPT-4 to GPT-3.5, which wasn't very good because then it wasn't as powerful. And then there was no way to bring it back up to four after that three hour period. So you had to be mm -hmm. careful and pay attention to the number of prompts that you submitted. And then recently that, that increased to 50 prompts in a three hour period. And I read this morning though, that they said it is 50, but they reserved the right to change that depending on demand. I was like, oh, that's interesting. So they built in a little bit of margin for themselves. So that's not a hard and fast rule, but it is a guideline again, for those that are utilizing it to keep in mind now yeah sometimes that there won't be any any limit you'll see that that um, usually it tells you at the bottom of the screen that there's a limit um so that sometimes that won't be there and it, it'll go past 25 or 50 but if there's um, a lot of activity going on then it could be 50 or they could reduce it so i've seen that too you're right yeah 
Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to spend too much time on this one, the hallucinations, because we have talked about this before. And the other thing that we have talked about before is the comparison between platforms. So if you are in listening and interested in those topics, those are included in our prior podcast. But because it's such an important thing to keep in mind, I do want to touch upon it quickly. Remind our listeners, what is a hallucination and how does it show up and how can you identify it? Hallucination is... Uh, the language model or chat GPT or BARD just making up uh, facts. So you could ask it to, you know, you could tell it um, to calculate three plus three and it'll tell you it's seven. But the thing with the language models is it's a language model. It learns, uh, it's been, it, it's been trained on language and it can write really well, really effectively. So when it say, tells you that the three plus three equals seven, it'll write it really convincingly. So even though it's a, a false fact, it sounds really good. Mm. Um, so that's a simple, simple example. Um, you know, it's very easy to see that, but I mean, if you're asking it, you know, I asked it once, you know, who owned Bard and it told me some company, the way it, it wrote the paragraph, it, it sounded like it, it may have been another company that was working with Google to develop Bard. And I had to go back and double check it. And I actually had to go back and Google it to see like, who is this company? And it was a completely <laughs> fictitious company. It made it up. So hallucinations are just, uh, it's false information that the language model ChatGPT uh, creates. That's so definitely what we're teaching the kids in the AI Academy is, you know, to be aware of hallucinations and whatever facts you see in your response, you always have to double check them. You always got to fact check. Yeah. And that goes for anything, whether you're, you know, uh, a child using it or you're an adult or using it for personal reasons or using it for work um, or business purposes, you definitely have to fact check everything. Oh, hundred percent. Absolutely. And that's think, where our professional expertise comes into play where I think that's where it's always going to be important to realize that it is your professional experience that is the ultimate guardrails for utilizing AI. Yeah, that's so if you're using it, uh, you have expertise in a particular area, um, it's definitely easier to read through it and, and know what may be right or what's not right. And if you're using it for a subject you're not too familiar with, then you just be aware that you should fact check everything. and. I think we talked about this before in, in one of our podcasts. There was an attorney a, a couple of months ago that used ChatGPT to um, write his whole defense, and he presented it without fact-checking in court, and all of the case references that were in that, in his submission, were wrong. They were false. Mm. And it, it caused a big uproar in the legal community, and I think he got in a lot of trouble, and I think maybe I didn't, didn't read the, I didn't find out what ultimately happened, but I think he was going to be sanctioned for doing that because he completely submitted something that was fault. yeah, false. Oh, man. So, good uh, lesson to learn. Yeah. Well, and some of the hallucinations, they, they are funny, right? And when you see them, and that kind of leads me to my next point is, although those are funny, the the chatbots uh, lack emotional intelligence, humor, and sarcasm. So the way that we're inputting things, and maybe you can expand on this, have to be in a specific manner. You can't use colloquial terms or um, just uh, sarcasm that that we would understand between you and I in a normal conversation, right? What's interesting is I've done some testing recently, and, and going back to the APIs, um, the API has more flexibility. So there is, you know, almost a um, 
it'll say things that you wouldn't expect or you can't get it to do in like ChatGPT 3.5 or 4. So there is some kind of humor and sarcasm and um, it even had, you know, some inappropriate words that it was using, but it, it would respond in a, in a sarcastic way because that's what I <laughs> told it to do in the prompt. So it's kind of funny. I mean, it's not something that we can talk about here, but yeah. so the, uh, it, it has the flexibility to um, add sarcasm and which is interesting. You have to explicitly tell it to do that, though. It's not something that it's going to yes. do it on its but own once, and understand that. Yeah, because it's been uh, on the public-facing side, and, and you know, to a certain extent, on the the whole system, it's been told not to do that. So there was um, a test recently that was the results were released where um, the jailbreaking. There, there was uh, some tests that were performed on the different language models to see how easy they were. Uh, people could jailbreak them. So things like, how do you make a bomb was one of the questions. And ChatGPT was the worst. Um, Bard came in second and Claude, which is, I mean, their whole purpose, their mission statement is to be the friendlier, safer language model, uh, did the best. I mean, out of six different tests that they ran, I think it was the first first four were zero. They, were, they weren't able to break it at all. And then the next two, the fifth and sixth tries attempts were, um, were very low percentages, like two or five percent. I have to pull it up again, but um, yeah, they're designed to not be completely open and free, so that people can get whatever they want to kind of protect the public and I think you know, the use of the tool. So yeah, and keep the, you know, the longevity of humanity in in line, right? Insight as far as the development yes. and the utilization of it. Yeah. And that kind of speaks to a couple of different things that I want to talk about next is the the lack of common sense. So this speaks to using uh, specificity again, right? In uh, <laughs> interfacing with, with ChatGPT and other AI platforms. But despite the vast knowledge, sometimes it provides illogical and nonsensical answers. And it's something that, that we should be aware of uh, when interfacing with them. And the other thing that I'll talk about is like the multitasking. So it's des it's des designed for a single task focus. So um, when I say it's not designed for multitasking, um, it doesn't like long form questions where you're telling it to do explicit things uh, in a very complicated, uh, multifaceted way. Um, did you want to talk to that or speak to that? Yeah, and I think that's probably going to change, but I think that's directly tied to the token limit. So depending on the model you're using and what the maximum number of tokens is, it can't, you know, if you tell ChatGPT to write a thousand word, you know, long form blog post, it's going to stop at around four or 500 words because it just can't it, it won't go any further if you use claude you'll get that thousand or three thousand or four thousand word blog post so i think it's directly tied to that it's, it's just maybe technical limitations or system limitations that i mean obviously four thousand or eight thousand tokens is not the technical limit because claude can do much more so it's just maybe processing costs or abilities right now with a computer cost that that's going to change. And I think I read too that OpenAI is is aware of the uh, aware that the limits need to increase and it's it's having trouble meeting that demand because of um, uh, computer chips, the demand or the supply of computer chips to to put the systems online or the computer systems online is, mm -hmm. is not there. Can't they can't meet it. So that's part of the problem. Oh, why why Anthropic can do it and and uh, OpenAI can't? I'm not sure, but that's what I've read. 
Hmm. They're having supply chain issues. Yeah, and and I'm actually aware of a, an organization that's utilizing or trying to utilize uh, collaborative compu computational abilities, um, utilizing uh, blockchain technologies. So that'll be fascinating to watch as it scales. And that's that will be an interesting conversation to be had is the combination between blockchain and artificial intelligence. I think it's. It'll be interesting once we have that conversation. That's the two big things that have happened in the past, you know, decade is yeah, blockchain, absolutely. cryptocurrency, and now AI being kind of open to the general public. So two huge big changes in, in yeah. how things are, how things can be done. Big changes and big changes to capabilities. So it's it it, it is going to be a fascinating time to be alive to watch how these things integrate into our daily lives. Um, speaking into integrating into our daily lives, we did talk about this briefly last week about collaborative platforms, and I wanted to make sure, and, and this will be our last point, um, so that we can talk about how we can start utilizing this to learn as a group. Uh, one of the things that you and I had uh, talked about, and, and you were brilliant in putting this together, because I was like, hey, we need some way that we can help watch the kids and, their, and what they're putting in input. And the platform that you utilized was called Chat ABC. So one, walk me through what your thought was on that and, and where did you find ChatABC? I found ChatABC, so ChatABC is open, they call it kind of like a ChatGPT wrapper. So it's kind of um, um, a software platform that wraps around ChatGPT and just adds additional functionality. And I found it in, in one of the groups that I'm in um, to get different software for different business uses. And it, what it does is um, it adds a little bit more functionality. So it lets you create folders so you can um, save your conversations in different folders, which is helpful. So if you're using it a lot and you have a lot of conversations, it's nice to be able to kind of put them in file folders. And the, the one of the uh, bigger um, benefits of it is that you can have one account it's connected to. So a lot of the like chat ABC um, uses an API. You have to use your own API key. So you need to have the paid version. So you're, you mean, you have two softwares that you're using, but it's definitely worth it. Like in our case, where we wanted to be able to see one, what the um, children in the AI Academy were doing when we gave them assignments. So they each have their own folders and we can see what they're doing. And the other students, when we have kind of collaborative projects, they can compare and see what each other is doing. Um, and, you know, Kanji and I, we can work on something and, and we can share prompts and a conversation together. So it's really helpful if, you know, for a family or in a business sense, if you want to use it as a team, because it lets you see each other's conversations or you can share conversations. And there's different ones, like we have a, a subscriptions to a couple of different ones, like Chat ABC, you can have a conversation open. I can prompt something. And then if Kanji refreshes the screen, he'll see my he'll see my prompt and the answer and then he can prompt and just go back and forth that way. There's some other ones that um, are almost like real time. So if I prompt something, the response that comes out, Kanji would see it right away and vice versa. See, he would do it and then I would see it right away. So it's definitely helpful um, working as a team. If you have, a, like in my case, a virtual assistant and I'm able to share work with, with him and, and he can do things, I can see what he's doing. I can um, adjust things as needed so that it, if I have to correct something or edit it. So it's, it's a really good tool. Yeah. Some of the other ones too, where um, there's a, another one that we use is called Madge AI and it includes 
ChatGPT4 in it. So you don't need an API key. So you're paying monthly for it. You still have to pay for something, but you don't have to pay for two softwares. Um, and what's nice about that is you can have different users on it. So if you're a family, you, you know, you're a family of four, you can have four different accounts all using that one description. So you don't have to, like in, in the case of ChatGPT4, um, if you wanted to have, you know, if a family of four, you'd have to spend $80 a month. And with AI, it's whatever it is, $30 or something, $40. Mm. Nice. Yeah. And it's not just about less us guardrailing and helicopter uh, educating our kids. It's more about the collaboration and showing them what works and what doesn't work so we can have those discussions uh, about that and grow together. Um, and, and I really enjoy that piece of it. And to let you know, uh, Kimmy the other day was just like, hey, daddy, can I borrow your computer? Because I want to practice my chat GPT. Made me so proud, Alex. Made me so nice. proud. And so we started talking about personas and persona build outs and what she wanted to utilize it for and how she was going to interact with it. So uh, the education's working. I'm super excited for it. So giving them a bit of a head start in the utilization of this stuff. So that brings us to time. I know we could talk about this all day long, so I'm just going to cut us short a little bit for today. Um, but it does give us a lot of material to talk about next week. So Alex, as always, I appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you. And, and anybody's out there that's listening, if you have a subject or you have questions you want to ask, feel free to comment and um, we'll get back to you. We'll give you, you know, we'll either include that in, in one of the upcoming podcast or we'll respond to your your questions with with an answer yep to that point greg we know we owe you an answer it's coming we do we'll get there i'll get it to you greg <laughs> all right talk to y'all soon bye bye